0: Welcome to NeuroNoodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast featuring tech legend Jake Gunkelman. He is the man who has read well over a half a million brain scans. Our goals provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. Mindmedia.com. Get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from Mindmedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see, and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit mindmedia.com
1: now. Now, there's going to be some parents that don't feel confident, and they're going to have to pony up for in-house sessions, and that's, you know, it's expensive and time-consuming and all that, but... It works. And I mean, that's the, the the basic issue is that it works. We have a whole series of intractable epileptics that have become seizure-free and medication-free um, with neurofeedback. So, you know, a- autism, by the way, 60% of the autism population have unexpected epileptic form discharges. Right. A quarter of the ADD people uh, have it. Um, uh, anxiety, 12%. Oh, that's not very much. Well, 3% is the background population. So 12% is a 400% increase. Right. But if the anxiety person has panic attacks, it's 30%. Yeah. So
2: the,
1: the number of people in psychology that actually have underlying epileptiform activity in their EG when you look uh, is surprising uh, to those who don't look. To those who look, we've known this for a long time right so um
2: I mean, yeah, none that's... of this none of this should should, should, uh, should surprise any of us you know the inherent stability of the platform itself when challenged will give rise to all kinds of symptoms yeah. Migraine headache, you know, you can you get on the list. I mean, I suspect if you did a dive into any of those cohorts of specific symptomatologies, you're going to find an underlying epileptiform activity yes. in way more than the average. Yeah, it's, it and, just speaks and, to platform stability.
1: And in migraine, that's uh, correct. If you see paroxysms in migraine, they respond very well to an anticonvulsant. Topamax is usually the one, right. but it's but others as well. And and, uh, if they don't have paroxysms, uh, they'll be using some other uh, um, migraine medication, vascular medication usually. But um, neurofeedback works really well in migraine. Um, Migraine ischemia, Uh, post-traumatic ischemia, same thing, different etiology, same Mm -hmm. fix. It's it's, it's ischemia. It may be in a different location than migraine, but you can fix it with the same approach. Um uh, long hauler COVID, inflammatory ischemia, you fix it with the same approach. Yep. So um, you know, the the techniques that we use in neurofeedback actually have have broader application than a single DSM category. Why? Well, because a DSM isn't real. <laughs>
0: you know <laughs> it has categories show, that Jay. are just
2: imaginary, you know. Yeah, exactly. Don't 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 get us started on a ZSM. Everyone will tune out of this podcast. <laughs> ladies, and, ladies and
0: gentlemen, we have we have a 30 day window here where parents are like, all right, I'm going to check my I'm wondering about my kid. And unfortunately, the attention span of people these days and the way they learn things, it's not a, a Thanksgiving dinner anymore. It's a snack. So you got one minute. they are like, all right, autism. There's a thing called efficacy out there, the evidence that's out there that shows that this this treatment can have a – this training can have an influence. Okay, I know we have to be tricky in the way we say this stuff, but look, ADHD, that's a broad brush that all the kids are getting painted with. Neurofeedback, you can say, hey, this is a pretty good thing that could could help you out. Could you just go down the list on the things that are efficacy-wise and less efficacy-wise? autism is at the bottom. That's going to take a long time and there's not a ton of efficacy on there. Is that a right statement or how would you word that? Because the reason I ask you, John, is you had a daughter with it and you used it. What would you tell somebody that asked you? It's not asking Dr. Marie or Jay. I'm just asking you, you had a
2: daughter with it. I would raise the efficacy on spectrum disorder to way up high, actually. You know, I, I view neurofeedback as a global brain training performance enhancer. You know, so it's going to affect every domain that you could possibly imagine. You know, you start with uh, basic self-regulation, limbic skill sets, and you move into salience network, you know, connectivity values where all of a sudden their sensory perceptions are being increased and enhanced. And now you've got a frontal cortex that's got something, you know, usable. And so it's not surprising that behaviors are affected across the board by neurofeedback. I don't care what they are, you know, and and you can see from what Jay is, is, uh, is in, imply, in, implying here that when you start to train the stability of the human brain, the downstream effects on these diagnostic labels, which are meaningless, <laughs> become impacted. ADD, migraine headache, I don't care what it is. you know. Uh, uh, we we'll find we i have every confidence that we're going to unlock the key to schizophrenia for instance probably i think probably everybody would think that perhaps is the most challenging application of uh, brain training uh, but it's clearly not voices you know they're, they're not magical voices they are it's some some circuit misfiring that's happening that's re- representing to you as a voice outside yourself it of course it isn't You know, you can't convince somebody of that who's in a schizophrenic um, um, attack. Um, But there is a brain circuit regulation component to it that we will figure out. Um, So in terms of efficacy, I would put ADD right up at the top. That's 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 in a a sense, low hanging fruit. But again, what's anxiety? Of course, what's the genesis of your anxiety? You know what are all the components that come into it? You know, can your could your diet have something to do with it? Sure. You know, so you, you have to address getting back to the integration model. You have to address all the other things. Yeah. You know, if you have a horrible job where your boss is pulling you in the carpet every morning for addressing down for the for the terrible job you did yesterday, find a new job. You know, that guy is not worth working for if that's if the net result for you as a human is you approach 9 a.m. walking into the office with a heart heart rate of 140 and blood pressure, you know, 180 over 110. That's that's not a way to live. So it's
0: it's 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 not one thing that caused the problem and it's not going to be one thing that's
1: going to fix the problem. Exactly right.
2: Exactly right. Find the root, find the root causes for all of these things and extinguish them as best you can.
1: Efficacy has a certain uh, formal definition, and and the APA, they have the Chambliss criteria for when you can claim efficacy for a treatment. Um, Years ago, back when I was president of of ISNR and uh, Don Moss was president of APB, we agreed that the field needed us a single voice on how we decided whether something could be claimed as efficacious or not. And we didn't want one position paper from one society conflicting with the position paper from the other society. So we we formed a, a conjoint committee to come up with the standards. And so it, it, if all you have is an anecdote to support, that's that's still an experimental approach. And there's nothing wrong with experimenting. When I started in the field, there was nothing other than experimentation because there was no efficacy. How do you anything. get your
3: efficacy? You have to have a few experiments. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Right. So yeah. I'm not I'm not suggesting not to try something. Try a lot. Claim conservatively, uh, and above the anecdotal support, there's there's structured studies, and the more structure there is, the the higher the level of claim. So. They set up a hierarchy of what kind of studies you needed to make what kind of claim. And so they have anecdotal, this basically just, you know, um, you can't really claim efficacy, but uh, you're you're starting to investigate that area. It's an emerging application. Um, There's possibly efficacious. Our field needed a little leg up. The Chambliss criteria start on. Probably efficacious, that's the second step for us. Uh, after that, there's efficacious, and after that, there's specific. Meaning, you ran the horse race, all the horses ran, you're the baddest horse in the race. You know, this is the best approach, that's specific. Uh, very few things have had the horse race and have claimed specificity. One that can claim specificity at this point is actually epilepsy. Epilepsy because we we show better outcomes in our efficacy publications the meta-analyses than brain surgery and medication do exactly for epilepsy mm-hmm. uh add full efficacy and and in some respects it's showing to be better than meds yeah. so uh, there, there's some uh, challenge as to whether you can Suggest it might be more specific, a better approach than other approaches, but it's at least up there in the questioning whether it's better or not. It's definitely fully efficacious. Affective uh, uh, disorders like depression and anxiety, uh, those are probably efficacious. Um, it, 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 we've got good studies, some randomization, uh, uh, some control groups, you know, so the kind of studies you need to actually do to start to make a claim. So um, I would urge people to look to the white papers uh, from AAPB. Uh, uh, ISNR has a list of um, studies that have been done in in all kinds of different areas of application. Uh, So you can actually look to the literature to see what kind of support there is for the thing that you think you might have. And um, it, you know, uh, uh, if it's still in the experimental range not a proven range it doesn't mean to skip it right it means to find somebody who's uh, doing it and uh give it a try yeah. um you know and i started my lab in 1972 what was proven in 1972 nothing i mean we had we had Sturman doing some experiments with cats and a couple of people by then um, and we had we had uh, doing uh, Alpha training, uh, Elmer Green playing around with Alpha and consciousness stuff, but there wasn't any, you know, list of applications <laughs> that you could claim anything on. Uh, we we were just we were trying many things and not claiming uh, to, to be successful up front. Luckily, we had very good success. Alpha training in alcoholics. I was at a state hospital in North Dakota in our lab, and um, the Alcoholism Drug Division funneled a lot of low voltage, fast EEG alcoholics to us. And we look at the EEG with no alpha and go, "Yeah, I'm a 21 year old kid." I go, "Gee, no alpha. Maybe we should train alpha." You know, uh, and you know pure, the, pure the science,
2: pure science, Jay. Yeah, right exactly, on. and and it worked so well. <laughs> That we wrote a grant in
1: '74 to to for alpha training in alcoholics. Now NIH didn't fund it; they quit funding you know, feedback work at the time. But it worked so well, we, we kept doing it. And in 1998, many years later, uh, uh, Pukalski and Penniston uh, uh, put out their work on alpha theta training and in alcoholics and PTSD. So you know the the the, the literature slowly builds up. Uh, We didn't publish any literature about alpha training and alcoholics, none, you know, that we we couldn't get funded. So there wasn't really a study to publish. So I I suppose we we could have done a case series because we had a lot of individuals with success. But at that time, I didn't think of case studies and case series as a piece of science. They are actually step one and step two of the hierarchy of science. Right. Like do a well done case report. A lot of psychiatry is based on an end of one case study, you know, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, exactly. So let's go ahead and do those well done case studies. And when you get a bunch of them, you got a case series. And when somebody who sees a case series, they can go to somebody who's got some funds and say, look at this case series. We need a control study. It's going to take some money. Um, Can you give me uh, half a million dollars or a million dollars so I can recruit
3: the subject? The grouping of case studies, which is great. But looping back around, though, um, you know, just in terms of, I think, the absolute innovation, um, not I don't want to use Maverick, but just this this gut um, passion of, you know, the 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 early uh, work in, in our industry um, John, I want to loop back in terms of, you know, when, when did you start, uh, working with your daughter in, in autism and in, in terms of your legacy? And cause I, I, I know obviously based on the assumptions of timeline that you would have been a part and parcel of that, that really innovative period. Oh, God bless you
2: <laughs> for elevating me to that level. Uh, probably a 2005 ish would be my guess. I really got serious about it after that. You know, I was working with her and then of course I You know, I'd hook up my wife and I'd hook up my sister because I had the equipment and and my sister has bipolar disorder. So I said, well, let me let me see what the what the authors might say about this. So we did some work and she improved somewhat. You know, she lives in a a different state, so I wasn't able to be as rigorous about it. I just a brief moment I wanted to, to shout out to, by the way, I don't know who you are out there on this planet. The people who allowed us in 1972 to put sensors on their heads to do something that no one anything about and might work might not god bless you all of those people jay that you would those folks you know we could take a lot of credit for what all of you know not not me personally but all of those early pioneers what they did that required human beings saying yeah sure go ahead wow impressive
1: you know the state (laughs) the state hospital had no irb that back in 1972 there was oh. nobody out there watching out for the patients. Okay. Um and and the the state hospital set up our lab we had access to any patients in the state hospital. Oh and we god. had nobody telling us what we could do because they didn't know what we were doing.
2: Oh my god.
1: You know, uh, uh, so oh.
3: Um, you know, I think you're going to have to edit this. <laughs> yeah, I just, I do oh, no, know, this I, is I, the, chill. the truth.
1: I mean, there, there no, was no I, IRB. And right. as a 21-year-old kid, I, I saw a woman who was highly anxious. And I'm thinking, you know, geez, uh, um, uh, we, we should be able to do EMG relaxation training on somebody who's highly anxious. So That's... we got her to come down to the lab and we hooked her up. And she had a freaking panic attack from reoxid. You don't let your guard down yeah. unless you actually get the brain relaxed first before you let your guard down. Yeah. And we realized this has to be an alpha training, not an EMG training. And, uh, um, you know, she her father died at the state hospital he choked to death in the in the in the dining hall she she wouldn't go to the dining hall because she was so anxious about it sure uh, so they served her in her room it's not cheap to have somebody in a state hospital but when you're providing room service for her meals this is an even bigger expense i mean she was you know a, an expensive patient uh, alpha training for her worked it just clicked uh her anxiety was treated fully and she relaxed now nobody believed she could be any better they had tried to send her out to halfway houses and she came right back <laughs> um uh, for a few years they tried to get her placed um when they saw her walk into the dining room for uh for a meal the dining room came to a a, a stop like yeah, Uh-oh. you yeah. know, here she's she's in the, the dining room, you know. So they right. knew things had changed, right? And uh, they they finally placed her outside the state hospital in a halfway house uh, oh, circumstances. Yes. She never came back. Oh, that's great. And uh, uh, that that was case number one. Yeah, we we have a whole series. Our initial six months were just see if you can provide some benefit. Yeah, if you provide benefit, we'll keep you. If you don't, well. You try, you yeah, know, so yeah. uh, we were funded for three years before we left uh, for to California to try to start manufacturing some of the equipment we were using and uh, try to bring it out to a larger audience because yeah. you don't have much of an audience in Jamestown, North Dakota at the state <laughs> hospital. You know, it's a very, very, very small remote location with, with no press
2: keep Pete, Pete I think what Jay's alluding to I think kind of addresses perhaps some, some of the kind of, some of the thoughts you had around f- efficacy you know it's if it elevates somebody at all it's it, it's efficacious if it change it, it, you know we're not looking for cures here we're not, I don't think any of us think maybe I speak for myself I'm not curing anxiety I'm Cure not curing yeah, exactly. You go it's to a, the gym to work out to
0: get in better shape. So right, exactly. And, and that
2: being, it's directly relational to how many times you go to the gym and and the and the rigor of your program. It's, it's pretty much that simple. If you just show up on Saturday, I can guarantee, as a personal trainer for your body, you're not going to have the greatest results. No, it's not a shock. But if you, so again, trying to wrap it around the integrative model uh, or insert it into the integrative model. <sighs> All of these things need to be addressed. So when clients say to me, well, how effective, how, how, what's the success rate for my fill in the blank?
3: Yeah.
2: That constant. Well, I'm, I'm going to guarantee you that you will see an improvement in your blank. I, I, I don't know how to frame that for you. You know, there is no number I can put on it. Are you going to do all the other things that you need to be doing to decrease your anxiety? Or are you just going to come to me and hope in a couple of sessions a week, it's going to fix you? What questions
0: do you that's ask not a gonna, That's not going to that's not
2: going to be as successful as somebody What's else does. What's your success the other stuff? rate? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 100%, I will move your needle. I can guarantee with 100% that I will move your needle, whether you perceive it, whether you understand it, whether it met your expectations. Those are different Those are different questions. This is a it's sort of a silly conversation. You know, it's not um I'm trying to put it in a in a medical term, you know, if I do this cancer therapy, what's the? Can you guarantee me an eighty percent reduction in the, in my tumor growth? I, I'm I'm not sure if a doctor's going to answer that for you. I think well, you
3: know, we're kind of talking about two two things in the same way, and I, I think it might make sense to separate it. One. <laughs> I think for many, without naming certain conditions, but for certain ailments and conditions, we're talking about you know priming the brain or set up for change. What we call a brain brightening, perhaps. But I think there are other right. things like when we go back to what Jay was talking about, where you're actually actualizing a specific change that will specifically target um, a specific symptom or disorder. And I think we sometimes make a mistake of lumping those two together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say even for uh, some of the things that we directly target, we're priming as mm-hmm. well for, for the target. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jay, would you yeah. agree with that?
1: Yeah. You know, the, uh, there's some people who have a different approach for peak performance mm-hmm.
3: yeah.
1: and clinical work. Yeah. Uh, a, from my perspective, I look at the brain's function and I try to optimize it. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're coming in for peak performance or for clinical work, I'm trying to optimize your brain function. And, you know, uh,
2: um,
1: the higher you want to perform, the more fine tuning you need to learn. Exactly. And, you know, if if you want to tune your car once every five years, you can put along on the road with it. But um, if you're in the, Indianapolis 500, they tune those cars with computer fine manipulations on the car tuning two, three, four, or five times a day. During uh, until, the race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to really be a high performer, you probably need to pay more attention to learning how to you know, control your tuning. And, uh, you know, neurofeedback is one of the ways to learn that level of self-regulation. Exactly it's one of the things we hand to our clients is the sense of self-regulation. My life is out of control. I can't, you know, I, you know, things are awful blah, blah, blah. I do some training and I get control of something. I can control this now. And I have a sense of agency. I control this instead of me being battered by forces. Now I'm the one in control. So, we're, that just handing them that joystick yeah. gives them joy, and yeah. I, it, it's it, it's a, an underappreciated portion of I think what we do is is give the person agency as their own controller.
2: Yeah, I think it, exactly on target. I think that's the center point of what we should be talking to clients about. That's our job here, and I agree with you hundred percent. All neurofeedback peak performance training, and I care what modality you use or how you do it. It's all the same. Uh, I'm not a professional basketball player, so I don't need the refinement of focus and of control that I might need when 30,000 people are screaming at me while I'm trying to put in a, a free throw. That's a higher level of performance that I don't need in my life. Somewhere in there is the sweet spot for all of us as individuals. How much do you need? How far do you want to go? What's the end point? There is no end. You could you could do neurofeedback for endlessly, as you say, the constant tune-ups, multi times per day. Of course, you could. Does it serve you? Find the spot where it's everything is in alignment with who you want to be right now in this moment, and that self empowerment uh, metaphor around what it is that we do, I think, is central. This is a self empowering technique. It it reveals to people that. Their panic attacks are internally driven by some force that we can help modulate so that they're less, they're less intense, they're less frequent, whatever they are. And as you say, Jay, all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, oh, I actually have some control over this. How cool. I
3: don't think I'm going to be invited back again. Here I go again. Oh, well, (laughs) what do I need to apologize now for? Let's go,
0: Dr. Marie. (laughs) These doctors, this is what you get with doctors. We keep balance. balance.
3: You have to balance, but I think one of the things we also have to mention is uh, overtraining. So, for example, I I, I can speak specifically to peak performance. You can also speak to um, children where uh, we're not talking about remedial um work it's a parent that really wants a child to accelerate um so for example I, 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 to this group I, I think it's really obvious but you can take somebody um from improving focus all the way to causing anxiety uh depending on what you're, you're training for said sure. focus so <clears throat> i think we, we we have to balance with that little bit of a cautionary tale
1: yeah yeah. If you train beyond the proper balance point, right. um, if you're training the wrong uh, portion of a system, yeah. uh, you you can end up putting a system out of balance just as easily as you can put it in balance. Yeah. You need to realize what you're doing, and and the more experienced you are, the more the uh, more successful you're going to be because. You've already stepped on all the bad spots. Mm-hmm. You know, I I grew up in cowboy country. You know, when you step in a cow pie, you tell people, "Oh, don't step there." You know, so um, uh, and and our our field to a certain extent hides our failures. Uh, Julian Isaacs uh, uh, coined the term the file drawer problem. Uh, if you have a bad case, you take that case file, you pull the file drawer way out. You put it in the back and you never pull it out that far anymore. So you just, and we used to share in meetings train wreck that we would have a train wreck panel. You know, oh, I did this to this kid who had this and that, and, and it, it, they uh, it was a terrible outcome. And people will say, oh, did you try this? Oh, did you try that? Oh, you didn't see this? Oh, I would have done that. So we can learn from other people's mistakes
3: we have to bring that back and that's not just our profession we have a major whether it's you know in you know what makes it into journals only positive results how many times do we repeat the same study you know um and i've I've to be really cautious here as well you know hurt harm Right. Um, so I, I, it's critical that we have these discussions, but yes. we also need a safe environment to have them. Right. Yes. Uh, emotionally safe that we don't say, Oh, what an idiot. You never should have done that. I mean, in some cases, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. But in others, it's like, Thank you for the courage of coming forward. Uh, thank you for warning all of us. You know, you put a, not a cowboy, but like a cliff, you, you put a sign on the edge of the cliff don't jump. Right. So, yeah, thank you, Jay, for bringing that up again.
1: Well, uh, you know, that you're probably right. That may be why they didn't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, mean, uh, uh, I don't mind being a fool. I'm, you know, uh, I'm uh, probably the, uh, I don't know, the, the cork jester or the class clown of the field mm-hmm. or something. But, uh, the, the, you know, I, I, I'm more than happy to stand up and point that. Cases that didn't go well and yeah. and what we learned from it and you know how we uh, ended up having to react. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm 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 always happy to do side by side by side analysis, which they quit doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, l- learning
3: come back uh, on the train wreck. <laughs> the train wreck. Yeah. yeah.
2: No, I was wondering if, if if this is something that is unique to our field. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not yeah. in any other field. I mean, we certainly are aware that the pharmaceutical industry takes their bad results and buries them and don't even put them in the study. Yeah. You know, so their their findings even though you could replicate them I suppose once you leave out the bad data, well what are you dealing with here? You know, are we going to look back on Ozempic 10 years from now and go, why didn't anybody see that? <laughs> um 10 you know, years? How-
3: 10 yes. years 3 yeah. months. Okay, 3 We're months. Going. I'm with you. I'm with
2: you. I'm <laughs> trying to be gracious, but yes. But I mean all of these medications that are out there, how rigorous is there, you know, stuff? And here are we holding ourselves up to a to a a, 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 a level of scrutiny that is too difficult to manage or do other professional organizations I, I find I find neurofeedback people generally speaking be a little bit self-abusive and, and we we kind of like oh uh, we don't have the you know we don't have the control groups we don't have big enough ends and all that you know I don't care you know personally I don't Uh, I'm not looking for the academic community to validate my
3: worth. Well, catch though, John, because if we want um, our discipline to have more and more acceptance, we have to play by the rules. Okay. But I also know that a science does not advance um, if you don't do experimental, but you can do experimental within the rules. And Jay, you can, you know. Uh, you've been here all the way through like the the huge achilles heel of our profession is that oh well we don't have to do and we don't have to do that um i'm here to very strongly say yes we do um and and we need some we need some leadership in that
0: there's the tr- you know, Jay, the, Jay you the, know more than anybody that drug companies have more money; they're more organized. We we have to be organized. This yeah. is a simple business case yeah. of marketing and expectations, and it's not regulated. I really think that neurofeedback and EEG, what we we do, once it becomes regulated, I know it's going to weed some people out, but it's going to really have the cream rise to the tops. So you can make claims uh, yeah. on things. You have all these databases. You have all this competition. People are trying to make a buck. I respect it. But what that does is it creates fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And me, I'm asking from a parent's perspective, what can this do for my kid? Okay. What can you say? What can't you say? Well, I'll do this and that. No, what can it do? And and we hem and haw when parents hear that to say, all right, I'll just take a pill. It'd be nice if an X and Y axis that would show that, look, you can do yoga on this side, take a pill on the other side. Okay. And then time, how long it's going to last. A pillow lasts not as long as yoga and neurofeedback. If you could say, look, that's your choice. I think we market it that way. People, people will get it till we get regulation.
3: Yeah. Pete, could you do yeah. me a favor, yeah. potentially put a link up to uh, the, the paper I wrote in terms of the need? Um, I, I can send that to you. You've... I'll
0: put it right here. He'll <laughs> <laughs> get it. No, I'm sorry. Send no it to me and
3: i will put i will put a, I'll put a,
0: I think right here.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it talks about how we have to organize ourselves and classify ourselves, not be divisive in terms of my way is better, but classify who we are, what we do. So the general public has an idea. I mean, Pete, yeah. Uh, Jay, we're never going to have the gazillions that the pharmaceutical industry has. And and the, the absolute red herring of following the pharmaceutical model. But we can't have that argument if we don't show our data. It only yeah. works if we show our data. Anyways, it's all in the paper. So please. Jay, Jay
1: what's the key word? So, research. Um, no, you know, competition. co is is okay. it as well. Our, <laughs> you know, our... If you look at our field as though it's a parade, um, uh, a little announcement uh, up front, you know, somebody leading the parade, Um, uh, after that uh, come come the acts, uh, all the various clinical acts. Mm -hmm. And everyone comes to see the elephants, you know, but after the parade is kind of moving by, the end of the parade is the people sweeping up the elephant shit. Yeah. You know, and that that's part of the parade too. The researchers are the ones coming up after the clinicians who are the big elephants in the room make findings. Yeah. You know, I've done this, I find it successful. So a researcher says, okay, I'll study that. Mm-hmm. They sweep it up and tidy it up and make it nice and neat and scientific. Mm-hmm. Now the parade has to have somebody, you know, promoting it. They ha- we have to have the big elephants uh, the clinicians and, and you know big actors in the room but we also have to clean up our act as we as we move along in our parade and yeah. and the the research is quite often after the fact I mean you have to have the clinical insight to do some research yeah. so it it, it follows mm-hmm. the the innovation from the clinicians and and you know, if you just look at sleep, uh, Sturman worked with cats and said uh, SMR enhanced sleep spindles. If you use that as efficacy to to support your SMR training, if you get called on the carpet before your licensing board for doing SMR training for insomnia for some reason, you, you you've got no efficacy literature. You were doing an experiment with your client. Uh, well, a little bit later, Lubar concluded. Oh, those hyperactive kids reported they slept better. That's not efficacy literature yet. It wasn't until 2005 that the Europeans in an academic center, center in Salzburg did a study on insomnia and SMR and found positive outcomes. It was the first time a control group um, randomization, you know, the full academic university style study was done. Ten sessions of SMR was effective for, for university level insomnia complaints in students. Um, that was replicated in Graz, Austria very shortly thereafter. They then tried it on severe insomniacs and they found ten sessions wasn't adequate. We found that about 24 was. And we found insomnia in, in severe insomnia and elite athletes, 24 training sessions, again, effective for, for treating their insomnia. So, so now there's efficacy literature and studies that are out there published and peer-reviewed and uh, published in good journals. I mean, the, it was published in Sleep. <laughs> Jeez, maybe that's where you should publish if you got a paper about insomnia, you know. <laughs> um that that's that's yeah. where the journal of neurotherapy doesn't have insomniacs reading it you know so uh the the sleep journal uh, um that doctors who are interested in sleep read those things so you know our our our, our, our field basically again uh, has people promoting it it has the the clinician developing insights and coming up with new approaches and we we have the the janitorial staff cleaning up and doing the science after the insights that have happened in our field but our field has to have the entire field we can't say well i'm sorry but the people sweeping the streets have to come first oh well we don't geez.
3: have the poop yet <laughs>
1: that's that's kind of a funny looking parade they stay clean the streets then they poop and then the guy comes by and promotes i mean uh, you know, but our, our our field has a standard. Poor shoes of
3: the promoters.
1: <laughs> the research has to be done, but it comes after the clinical insights. And and Jay, I would like to
0: say that you had Thomas Edison with DC current, and then you had Nikola Tesla That's with like AC. That. And we are on the cutting edge of this thing. And this is what you get till the drug companies feel like, well, I can make more money doing this. So, and if there's well, an end game to mental health, the drug companies don't like
2: it. I wanted to 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 uh, really like what you just said about the parade. I think that's great. The problem that we find, though, in here we are back to the same conversation. We're trying to promote this wonderful intervention, yet we're struggling with how do we scientifically justify it.
1: Organize. So
0: we just We're gotta wait. Organized.
2: Do we have to wait to this st- for the street cleaners to show up? Who's gonna pay those street cleaners?
1: We we actually have a hierarchy of e- efficacy in white papers that show full efficacy for quite a few things, uh par- and and uh, probable efficacy for others, um and and possible efficacy for some as well. Uh,
2: listen, so. you're speaking of the. I mean, I I of course innately believe in the efficacy of neurofeedback across the board. How do you tell United Health that conversation? How do you tell the poor sh- schmo who's looking for an insurance reimbursement and his insurance company says, no, your neurofeedback know, is experimental. There it's isn't fine. enough science to validate why we should pay you to go do this with this guy. How much science do you need? Um, yeah, how much science do we actually need? I, I think we're at a, at a a spiraling hole. We will never have enough science, in my opinion.
3: Okay, John, good, 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 good news from Canada. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> of course, uh, it's not from the United States. <laughs> no, but, but, but wait, <laughs> Europe, Europe is doing some good stuff. Canada is doing some good so stuff. You've got the politics to deal with, but the methods are here if you can deal with the politics. Um, you know, if you get neurofeedback by somebody with a very strong... Um, a complementary uh, degree. So, a registered psychologist, MD, mm-hmm. psychiatrist, the insurance will pay under the umbrella term, but you're not being reimbursed for neurotherapy. You're being reimbursed for psychological services, but your psychological service is neurotherapy. Okay. Corey Hammond
2: did a whole presentation about three weeks ago saying 90901 is the CPT code. If you're not using 90901, you're not doing neurofeedback. Okay. I, I, I don't bill insurance, so I don't have a dog in that fight. So mm-hmm. I am always puzzled by psychologists using the psychotherapy code for neurofeedback Is it psychotherapy is it neurofeedback? What is it maybe it's both I'm okay I don't care how it's coded I it, understand I it doesn't matter to we me. don't
3: we don't have the codes up here we have so
2: okay I think
3: the good news is it's coming um, um, and and you I guess your 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 folks are. Uh, you're getting caught up in numbers instead oh, of Oh, we
2: are so far behind. We are so far. Well, we're yeah. far behind in so many things. Um, you got to bring in, this guy in, back.
1: In Europe, uh, you you could be <laughs> paid uh, by insurance um, uh, as a psychologist uh, or a counselor doing neurofeedback in the Netherlands. So uh, France, not so much yet. Uh, they're Their public... Uh, Insurance hasn't accepted it yet. Uh, sort sort of like a U.S. insurance company. Um, uh, uh, in England, you can uh, get covered under insurance again with licensure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you you get paid for doing your licensed work uh, with, with your clients. Um, so the, it it it's it's changing around the world. Um, and and. I have to say, I Sync Brain, the the South Korean group, instead of going with their device, kind of at the the grassroots of neurofeedback, uh, they they shot high for academics working in dementia, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, academics working in uh, uh, stroke, and academics working in uh, it, they're 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 shooting directly into major research projects, and mm-hmm. as they've promoted their company, they've promoted with publications, not not with you know glossy promotional literature, but with mm-hmm. publications going into frontiers of neuroscience. Well, you know,
0: shout the, out to uh, Dave Burkus, who's behind that uh, long time yeah. money guy, smart
1: guy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: and a, and a well. Oriented company too. Uh, the uh, the the CEO and and the founders of the company have um, I, I think a, a, a proper orientation that they're not uh, um, they, they've got a business head on their shoulders and they've got good business advice, uh, but they're they're in this uh, uh, from the heart, not not from the pocketbook.
3: As it yeah. should be. So. Heart and brain. Do what you love. Do it well. Do it with care, and the money will follow.
1: Oh, John,
0: we're bringing you back. But right now, somebody's, I... somebody's in uh, Los Angeles, right? Los Angeles, Los Angeles area. And then, Dr. Uh, Marie, you're a little bit north, aren't north. you? I'm
3: <laughs> up north, Vancouver, Canada.
0: <laughs> like way north? Oh, Vancouver. Right.
3: <laughs> That's south for Canada. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's, right. that's where people in that's where people in in the uh, Northwest Territories go for vacation. There you go. There you Winter go. vacation. So, so right. John, you, you,
0: your website for the uh the listeners out there, the uh, balanced uh, brain, the, yeah, the, the, the all balance, balance uh, uh,
2: balanced with a D brain dot com. Um, okay. Yeah, I'd We're love to see. hear from anybody uh, uh, I, bring... If I had one parting comment to say, yeah, it, I, I it think is. for for clinicians out there, be mindful of the holistic posh, uh, uh, the holistic perspective of your clients, patients, whatever you call them. They are more than just their brain. They're more than just their gut. They're, they're an entire entity with spiritual values and, and perceptions and, and needs and wants. It's a, an entire package that you're dealing with here. Don't subset it into, I just do this. Think globally about it. If you do it in your office, terrific. If you don't, find some resources that you can get these people to that will fill in those blanks for them. Your success rate as a clinician is gonna triple. You're going to to have clients doing so much better than you currently are capable of doing if you look at it from that lens. And for folks listening, if you are thinking that any of us clinician people are going to fix you, fix your kid, you're wrong. You are going to fix yourself and you're going to apply what I just framed, all of those things. If you're not able or willing to do that, I can tell you bluntly, your success with us is going to be diminished. You really need to think about all those other things and do something about them. Eat the right food, get the right sleep, develop social relationships with your friends and family, get out in nature, just take a walk. It's not that complicated. Um, You know, get up out of your chair, turn off your stupid phone um d- disconnect from all of that 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 uh that noise that inundates us all the time be still with yourself and your you want to be, be in
0: shape you got to work out That's exactly, all it is, right. exactly
2: right exactly right and it's it's not hard work it's human work it's not like it's not it's not oppressive you know none of this is oppressive if you, the unexamined life isn't worth living and I mean people have said all of the stuff for thousands of years you think they're just saying it because they like to hear themselves talk they're saying it because it's true <laughs>
0: Dr. Marie Swingle, author of iMinds, thank you for joining this show. We'll I have a link heard. to your book, wait, right okay. here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. and, and then Jay Gunkelman, the man who has read over a half a million, and that's conservative brain scans. Thank you all for joining us on the show. We got to do this again. This is a good group. Okay.
3: Thank you everyone. Thank you right, everybody. But our Bye. little
0: podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. Mindmedia.com. Get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from mindmedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit mindmedia.com now.